Peace world, easy worlds, your man and Boogie. Don't worry about the name, get used to the voice. It's another episode of Keeping the Towel, and I thank you for tuning in, for rocking and vibing me as always, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new day, it's a new week, it's a new month, it's a new year, it's a new hour, it's a new minute, it's a new second. Therefore, it's a new round for all of us. And I want to make sure you are still in this fight called Life With Me. I am not alone in this gym. I have brought a sparring partner with me. And this dude, man, incredible man, incredible cat man you're going to get a chance to listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the D. That's right, Detroit. My man, Mr. Reggie O, a.k.a. Reggie Osborne. Reggie, you in the building, my man. I'm in the building at what's going on. Yes, sir. My man is here. I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. The, so the, the wait the wait is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you are you not entertained? <laughs> if this is what you've been waiting for, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Yeah, I go. Oh, man, ladies and gentlemen, my sparring partner has joined me in the gym, and he is here. So, Reggie, this is how it goes. I need you to get your hands wrapped. Get your mouthpiece in your mouth. Get your gloves on. Yes, my man got his grind guard on. He's making his way to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, grab a seat and sit around the ring. It is Aunt Boogie and Reggie O, and the spar session has officially started. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's go. So... Reggio, let's go ahead and dial this back to 19 Zigga Zigga and let us know where did it all start for Reggio. 382 Henry Ford Hospital, Detroit, Michigan. It was the birth of a legend, birth of a king, birth of a diamond. One of God's most precious and greatest creations of form. Out of the womb of LaBrenta Osborne, that'd be me, Reggie Osborne Jr., born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. You know, raised in the ghetto, raised in the street, uh, raised in the church. Uh, you know, that, that's my hometown. Uh, most of my family's still there. Got love for my city. I love my city. Even though I'm, I'm a Southern boy now, I'm, I fell in love with the South. But Detroit is forever in my heart, forever my home. Put us on. What was home life like? What was the neighborhood like? When where you grew up at? Man, it, I I had a rough childhood. I know a lot of people say, man, I had a rough childhood too. No, I, I had a rough childhood, man. And I grew up uh, at a time where I mean, violence, drugs, gangs, uh, just a lot going on in, in the hood. You know, I tell people I'm from the hood. I'm not from the suburbs. Uh, I'm not from the hood you see on TV. I'm actually from the H O O D. Uh, you know, and it was hard growing up especially on the west side of Detroit with so much going on and, 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 and killings and murders and just corrupt government officials, schools to just, just run down. Uh, we didn't have a chance, man. A young black man in Detroit did not have a chance. People saw us as a lost cause. They saw us as the last of a dying breed. You know, I, I want to say the life expectancy of a black man in Detroit was about 16 years old. 16, you were either either predicted to be dead or in jail somewhere. That was a life expectancy. There was no future for a young black male. They cursed us from the day we was born. And the sad thing about it is that's all you saw. You didn't see any successful young black males. You didn't see any positive young black males. You seen negative hatred. You seen young men fighting, young men being killed, young men being lost to the jail and system. So it's kind of like, man, the system was rigged. So being a young black man growing up in Detroit, 
already had three strikes against me. I was young, black, and I was living in Detroit, which is, is known as the murder capital. Detroit is known as the murder capital to this day. Even when I was a teenager to now, it is still looked at as the top, always in the top three and murders across the nation. So uh, having that against me, man, it was hard. That was just one thing dealing with was the violence and the struggle of trying to trying to survive somebody's bullet or survive a jail cell. Uh, but along with that, I had had went through poverty. Uh, a lot of people don't like the word poverty. When you think of poverty, you think about third world countries. But but my family grew up in poverty, man. Uh, we were blessed, uh, but we went through some mess. I mean, it was days where we didn't have hot water. Uh, it was days that we didn't we didn't we didn't have nothing to eat. Uh, it was days our lights were turned off. I mean, I remember one day uh, I was in elementary school, waiting, waiting for my my father to come pick us up. Never showed up, uh, but we saw his his car outside. So, oh yeah, that's Daddy's car. Let's go sit on the car. Maybe he went to the store and you know wait to get out. Well, Daddy didn't show up. Repo man showed up. Uh, at mm. the time, I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was a Repo man. I thought it was a tow truck guy. Just maybe the car broke down, but. I find out later that our car got repossessed. So dealing with stuff like that at a young age really did a lot of damage to me mentally. And just going through that, uh, you know, not always having what I needed. I was teased. I was kicked on. Uh, I wore my sister's clothes. I literally wore my sister's clothes. Wow. Uh, you know, before before there were skinny jeans, they had these jeans they made for women that were skinny at the legs, which were made for women. So back then, I was wearing some of the first skinny jeans, but they were actually for women. So, <laughs> but they were my sister's jeans. <laughs> so my mama raised us in the church. Although we were surrounded by violence and gangs and drugs, my mama kept us in the pew. Mm. Morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Tuesday, revival, whatever. We was in the church. You know, but but I but I'm gonna tell you this. Although we were in the church, that don't mean we were doing churchly stuff. If you feel right. me, we still yes, was we still was <laughs> we still had to contend with the day to day. So although my mama did her best, uh, that was the foundation and which really helped me get where I am now. But my mama and my daddy always tried their best to keep us keep us out of the foolishness, keep us out of the nonsense. Reggie, how many of you were in the home? For those that know me, I I, I have seven brothers and seven sisters. 15 children uh, you know when I was growing when I was growing up as a teenager at the time the most I was in the house was nine uh, it was nine of us uh, we were in a, a three bedroom house one bathroom uh, you know we had bunk beds uh, when we didn't have bunk beds we slept two to a bed three to a bed on top of each other on the floor uh, wherever we could find comfort as my parents started to have children uh, more and more, it seemed like my mom had a child probably uh, every year. She was pregnant. <laughs> if you look back, it seemed like every year my mom was pregnant. So, uh, so the house got full quick. My mom and dad had to uh, turn our living room into their master bedroom because we already had three bedrooms. Right. And the kids were, you know, we were we were growing, getting bigger. You know, had boys and girls, so we, you know, we didn't have the biggest of houses. Uh, you know, so it was it was a hard growing up, man. Imagine imagine one one bathroom, you know. You know mm. Now I got a house, I got three and a half bathrooms, six of us. <laughs> so I so so imagine nine people, and that's just the kids plus two parents. So imagine eleven people, house, mm. one bathroom. Wow, it was miserable. I told my kids this that I didn't have my own bed until I went to college. 
Mm. I graduated from high school to go to college. I never had my own bed. I, di- I didn't know what it meant to have your own bed. I didn't have the luxury of having my own bed. I shared my bed with my brother, uh, you know, and sometimes I slept in the bed with my sister. Right. You know, that's how that's how difficult it was, man. And back then, you know, we had like one one or two. We didn't have more than two TVs. Uh, so, so one thing about it is that whatever we're, whatever we watch, that's what we watch. <laughs> right. If you didn't like the look, if you didn't like the show, and you had to watch it. That's what's on. <laughs> you either either go watch it or go lay down and read a book. Uh, but one thing I do like is the fact that it, it, it helped my family grow closer. Mm. All the stuff we went through, the nights without electricity, lights without water, uh, lights not no you know, days that you know we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from sometimes, and just you know sharing bed together. Yeah. That kind of helped mold us and shape us into the successful people we are today, and it brought us closer together. It, it, it helped unify us uh, and help us, you know, to be more more bonded as, as siblings. We had some, we had a few fights too. I mean, you know how it is with kids. We had a few scuffles. <laughs> I, would, I would think uh, so. <laughs> with you guys with with nine of y'all, yeah, I would think so. But it was it was it was fun, man. It was it was although it was the best out of that you know yeah. looking back at it although we didn't have much we had it we had each other mm-hmm. we loved each other even to this day our bond is strong it's a testament when you when you when you go through something with somebody that forges your relationship whether it's your brother whether it's your wife whether it's, it's your girlfriend whether it's your boyfriend whether it's your homeboy homegirl when you go through something with somebody and y'all both dealing with it mentally physically and emotionally that, that strengthens that bond. Yeah. You guys start to kind of rely on each other uh, and trust each other even more because you realize that, look, I need you, you need me. Uh, we're both going through this and we got we to gotta stick it out with one another. Reggie, we can't, we're, we went in the neighborhood, took us in your home, put us into school growing up for you. What was that like coming out of the house, coming out of the hood and from the home with where it's, over eight of you over that and then you come out onto the streets you got to make sure you survive the streets to get to school what was school like man growing up uh you know of course we went to the neighborhood school being by most of my siblings we're, we're kind of close in age uh to give you an idea how close we are i got my brother my brother underneath me he's only one year he's a little bit over about a maybe 13 months younger than me my sister that's older than me, she's probably like 14 months older than I am. So a lot of my siblings, we're, we're close in age, so, uh, which was good because, you know, we ran together. People could mess with us too much because, you know, we all went to school together. My daddy, my daddy had a philosophy. Uh, if one person fight, we all fight. We, you know, it wasn't a fair fight. <laughs> well, hey, look, hey, Ann, what, what no one on one in my house? So my daddy say, look, if one person fight, all y'all fight. Don't sit there watching. If, if I see, if I find out y'all didn't help, if I find out y'all was sitting there watching, I'm gonna whoop y'all behind when y'all got home. So, so we, so we were pretty tough, man. Even my sisters, man, my sisters, it was rough for the age, man, because uh, a lot of people know I didn't have older brothers. I was the oldest, oldest boy. Mm. My dad and mom, they had four, they had four girls before they had me. So I didn't have any big brothers. I had big sisters. My big sisters, they protected me. They took care of me. Uh, you know, they, they, they helped defend me. You know, I saw my sisters fight guys. You know, you know, my older sister, I seen her fighting a guy a guy her age. I'm like, man, my sister's tough. So growing up, man, you had to really run up in the hood. Uh, you know, like I said, the area we, we grew up in, it wasn't a wealthy area. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't your poorest area. 
Uh, but we had a lot of kids uh, who went through similar struggles we did, uh, who were in similar situations that we were in. Uh, so going to school, uh, it was rough. You know, I was, uh, you know, having that, the stuff going on at home and, you know, just all the stuff that was in my mind. And I was actually a smart kid, uh, but I really couldn't focus at a young age. Get out a lot. I was, I was, I was known as the class clown. A lot of that is because of what I was going through, and, and I wasn't getting no attention at home. Imagine growing up in a house with nine kids. Uh, you know, my daddy pretty much worked. My mama didn't work a whole lot. She had a job here and there. My daddy was one of those type of guys that uh, he wanted. You know, my mom to be at home taking care of the kids. He didn't want us out in the streets. He, you know, my daddy worked at Ford Motor Company, and he, it, it's my mindset and goal was look. I, you know, to my to my mama, he wanted her to stay home and watch us. You know, because you know, had both of them been working, we would have been out on our own in the, in the neighborhood doing God knows what. So my mom stayed at home. She was a stay-at-home mom, took care of us. Daddy was going to work. Uh, sometimes we see him, see him leave in the morning, then come back late at night. Sometimes we didn't come back till we, when we were asleep in bed. Uh, so, you know, just having a struggle, man. I really didn't get the attention I wanted, so I acted out of school. Uh, I acted out, you know, by just trying to get attention in my classes, and a lot of that got in trouble. Uh, also, man, I got bullied, picked on as a young age. I found myself hanging out with the wrong people. It, it, it's crazy. I found myself having, getting comforted by like the bad kids. Like I was hanging out with the people that teachers labeled bad. Even though I wasn't bad, the connection with them. So I was hanging out with the guys that were like, some of them were in gangs. Uh, although they didn't pressure me to join a gang, which is weird. Uh, but as I got older, I understood that it was just God's providence. Uh, but I but I had respect, man. I had respect from a lot of guys that that were in games and stuff like that. They never pushed me to get into it, but I but I found friendship with them. So I hung out with them, man. Kicked it with them a little bit, uh, and, and really used them as a as a as a way of being my protection, you know. Because I, I realized, man, if I hung out with them, hey, ain't nobody gonna fool with me, right? You know, ain't nobody gonna mess with me in the hood. So I hung out with the, some guys that were dope boys, some guys who just game banging. You know, some kids that were bad, uh, and it's crazy. That I think of one guy to this day. He's in, he's in, he's in jail to this day. He might have been in there ten years. He's actually in prison. I used to hang out with him in elementary school. Man, he was cool. Mm. People, man, growing up, but he was a, he was a trouble kid in, in school, and it showed up in, in his future. And he's behind bars to this day. But it was rough, man. It was rough. Uh, I had times where, like I say, I would get teased wearing my sister clothes. Uh, you know, I had a little. I remember one day I had this had this young lady I had a crush on. Uh, you know, she broke my heart, man. You know, trying to spit game. We called it game back then. I don't know what they called it now. They tried to spit some game at her. You know, uh, you know, whoopy whoop and you know, she shot me down, embarrassed me, man. And and I think from that moment on I started to to get like a little uh feel a certain type of way towards women. Uh-huh. So I would kinda like I that kinda, I would kinda dog girls out when I was when I was younger. Like, man, you know, I would like dog them out, even if they like me. I would just treat them bad because I felt like, man, I like this girl. You know, I put my feelings out there, and she she crushed it. So I would just act like a, a butthead just to just to any girl, right. brush them off, talk about them, and, and, and make them make them feel bad stuff like that. You know, just based on what I went through. So uh, that was kind of you know what it was growing up, man. My my, my teenage years, uh, you know, elementary, middle school, uh, growing up in the hood. And then, like I say, not a game. A lot of fights, man. It was fights probably every day. Mm. Every day, going look. People were fighting going to school, fighting after school, fighting during the school, and they were fighting on the way home from school. 
But I will say this is not like it was today. People back then, you, you, you and I about the same age. People back then lifted up. They fought. Right. Fist to fist. They fought. Nowadays, it's, 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 it's guns. But growing up, man, that's that's all you thought was fish fights. Girls fight girls. There was little, a lot of fights. I think I only had one fight growing up. That was like the, the blessing of it. I, I had one fight. It really wasn't a fight. You know, it was just misunderstanding about me and one actually a guy that was my friend. But I really didn't, I didn't get into many fights, but I saw a lot of fights. Uh, you know, I, my, my parents always told me, you see a crowd of people get away because right. you never know what's going to happen. So, so that's kind of what I was for me growing, growing up uh, in, in the hood and going to school at a, at a young age and trying to get my education. Like I said, it was hard, man. Dealing with stuff at home, uh, just dealing with insecurities. I, I didn't really value myself. I saw myself as worthless. I, you know, looked at a lot of other kids that had what I didn't have, and I, I kept judging my life off of theirs, and and, and 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 I felt bad because I didn't have what they had. You know, I didn't thought I was, I didn't think I was anybody, man. I just thought I was just a, a regular person. I didn't think that I was gonna ever be successful. I didn't think I was gonna amount to anything. I acted like. Fred, you said that you was hanging with guys who was in dope game and everything, but yeah. they never pushed you into joining their factions. Were there times that you thought like, yo, how can I get onto the game? Can I, how can I, you know, push what y'all push and sell what y'all sell? Did you ever have those moments? I, I will say I made it. I, I've had, I had those moments. Uh, you know, I did have that moment, uh, but it was just like, you know, you know, remember, you know, like I say, my, my parents just remember when my daddy always taught me always be a, be a leader, never a follower. Me, I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't really fear games. I respected the guys what they was in. I didn't knock it, uh, nothing like that. Uh, but it's, you know, when I when I learned to start taking a stand for for just being me, that's one thing about me. I, and to this day, I, I take a stand. I'm not going. You're not going to make me do something I don't want to do. It's always been that way, and that's just a credit to the way my parents raised me. You know, you know, I, you know. To this day, you can't. You know, I'm very. People call it being stubborn. My wife called it being stubborn, but. <laughs> But you couldn't make me do so. Although I was pressured, man, and I really didn't want to be in the game because I knew all the other foolishness going on. I just really liked to hang with the guys that was in there. And like, it's crazy because some of the guys that were in the gang, and they were actually cool guys in the gang because at that time it was popular. You saw them selling dope. You didn't. You didn't try to say, all right, maybe I can try it, but you didn't want to ever get into that. I would say, growing up, when I was growing up, gangs really wasn't big on dope of gangs are. Back then, when gangs really started, Vice Lords, Latin Counts, GD, it really wasn't about drugs. Most people look at the history of gangs and why they were founded. A lot of them was put together because just, just, just unity. Yep. And, you know, just, just people with a common, just a common, you know, bond, you know. But then, later on, people come in and make it bottom. But 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 I, I can say, growing up at that era, the gang, gangs wasn't pushing drugs. Right. They were just more about fighting and, and bullying people and not even bullying. It was more about fighting with other gangs. I mean, they really didn't rob and steal. They didn't do a lot of that stuff. They was more so about their territory. Right. Right. Now, like I said, some of the guys actually, they were cool guys. They just happened to be in a gang because, you know, a lot of them that were in gangs, a lot of them didn't have fathers in their life. Uh, you know, a lot of them were, uh, and I, as I look back at it, they came from single mother home, uh, didn't have a father in the house. Matter of fact, my homeboy, Gary, now he's uh, you know, real cool guy. He was in a gang. He was he was like a cop gang person too. They rival gangs knew who he was. Like as he got older, they said, "Man, you don't mess with so and so." You know, he a beast. You know, he, he put them hands on you. But uh, but you know, and he was. I mean, he was a cool guy. 
didn't have any uh didn't have any male role models. You know, didn't have a father in the home. His mama was there. And most times, you know, he was at home by himself, him and his sister. His mom was at work. So he you know, he and he know nothing else. So he kinda joined the game to kinda, you know, to get a little a sense of family. So like I say, it, it just it just it, as I would, I understand it now, God was was was, was, was shielding me. I, because I'm like, man, I hung out with gang, gang bangers. I never really got that pressure of man ready to join this gang. Or and actually, they respected me. I was looking up to them because you know, like, man, you know, they was really respecting me probably because I was trying to, you know, I was trying to live right and do right. In school, <laughs> you said that you had a hard time with scholastics. Um, yeah. Hear us into that. You said that you were the class clown. So give us some more insight of what was Reggie scholastically at that time. I was I was smart for attention, so I really didn't pay attention in class. Uh, nowadays, they probably would have put me on medicine. They put most kids on medicine. They, they said I had ADHD and ADD and all that. Couldn't sit in my seat. Uh, some people call it being a, being a sugar baby. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hyperactive, you know, and all that stuff like that. So... I was a class clown, man. Like I said, I did it. I would crack jokes to the point that I got kicked out of class. Like I would make, I would make fun of the teacher. <laughs> I didn't just like pick on kids. I made fun like of the teachers. And like I was really, you know, I would, I would make myself look crazy, look like a fool just to get a few laughs. I ended up getting kicked out of class, uh, sent to the principal's office several times, man. My daddy came up to that school, man. I think my butt still hurt, uh, you know. But but I was smart, man. I was a bright kid. I was a uh, you know, I was involved in activities when I was younger, man. I was I was in I was in a choir, choir, the school choir. A lot of people don't know that about me. I was in a choir. They don't ever don't ever bring it up. Don't ever talk about it. You know, I, I used to be in the choir, man. I was active in clubs and stuff like that. So, uh, but scholastically, you know, I just couldn't focus, man. Like if I had so much going on, you know, my life, you know, just you know, I, I feel like I tell people I saw a lot of stuff when we see in a movie. Mm. I saw I saw stuff growing up that people would not believe me that I've seen it that I couldn't even believe it was real, you know. So stuff like that was on my mind. So scholastically, you know, education wise, I just I just had so much going on, man. I was like, man, I felt like I was living in the world, you know, and nobody else could see some of the things I, I see was happening. It's crazy, uh, you know. So you know, I, I had some teachers. Shout out to Miss Mays, Miss Norton, uh, people who saw good potential in me, and they 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 uh, they stared me in the right direction. Uh, maybe you know, stay on track. Uh, got me involved. They saw my potential, uh, even when I didn't see my potential, and made sure they put me in, in the right classes, and uh, you know, and kept 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 telling me, uh, you know, that I that I had a bright future and stuff like that. So that was that was really important. That really stuck with me to this day. Didn't have a lot of black male teachers. I'll tell you that. It's, you know, people think about it now. So we we didn't have many black male teachers growing up. Nope. To be honest with you, nope. I, I probably know. I probably can mention two of them, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know. Maybe three in my lifetime between elementary, middle, and high school that I had, mm-hmm. um, not even barely a handful. So uh, didn't have that. Had mostly women, man. And the women didn't play. They had that ruler. They had them rulers duct tape together, and they slapped your hands back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and, so uh, I was uh, so I was underachiever, man. I really, I really didn't. You know, like I say, growing up in the hood, you didn't think about life beyond the hood. You didn't think about anything outside of Detroit, really. I mean, only thing you thought about outside of Detroit was Chicago or Sandusky, Ohio. The only reason you think about Sandusky, Ohio is because that's where Cedar Point was at. Cedar Point is an amusement park. 
uh, in Ohio. And uh, other than that, man, we didn't get out of Michigan, man. So, you know, we, we really didn't see a lot, didn't know a lot. And, and as I got older, I realized that I didn't have any exposure. When, you, when you're exposed to something, you know, it, it makes you think differently and see things differently. So there was no exposure. Like I said, there was no, there were no successful black men, men in, in coming out of the hood. There was no, you didn't, you didn't see any, you know, college students. You didn't see any entrepreneurs. You didn't see that. You saw violence, gangs, drugs. You saw at the high school, everybody went to the plant. Right. Went to the plant, those that know about the Motor City, you either went to work for Ford, GM, or Chrysler, known as the Big Three. That was it. That was your future. After you graduated high school, if you didn't go to the factory working some dead end job, they didn't have McDonald's. No, nothing against McDonald's, but working somewhere where you didn't have a good, 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 uh, good pay. So that was it. So you know, so uh, scholastically, you know, my parents always pushed us to do our best. My parents always challenged us to do our best, uh, and I did. I did. I think as I got to high school, I kind of, I kind of fell off a little bit through my elementary, middle school years. I was a pretty good student. You know, I, I, I kept my head in the books because that's one thing my mom and daddy didn't play. Mm. Head in the book. Yeah, you can act a fool in class, but you better, you know, well, they didn't tolerate that either. But, <laughs> but no, they made sure, look, you make sure you get your education. You know, get your education. My mom and daddy always pushed that. Education. Get your education. A man ain't nothing without his education. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was really, I really started to focus a lot more. Although I was, although I was a class clown, I still was, making sure I took care of my grades. If not, my mom and daddy probably was going to, they're going to take care of me. <laughs> right, exactly. So, Reg, after high school, that you go and work at the, one of the three major plants, why didn't you go ahead and look at that after high school? Like, all right, well, I'm going to go and do what everybody else did. Did you consider that? I did. I did. I really thought, that, hey, man, I'm going to go work for Ford. You know, that was my mindset. Like, man, I'm going to go work for Ford, man. But you know, Back then, that was the best place to work, to be honest with you. Pension, you you got great benefits. Uh, you know, you made made a good living. You know, you know, you know that that you know my my father you know retired from there. My grandfather retired from there. Ford money put me to college eventually. Uh, you know, put food on the table. So it, it but I always knew. You know, I, I was one of those kids that I'm like, you know what? Go against the norm. Parents would call me. I was a why kid. Why that? Why we gotta eat this? Why we gotta go there? Why we gotta do that? Why? Like my mama would tell me to do something. I'm like, why? Because I said so. And I tell my mama, I say, look, I said, dead honest with her. I said, mama, you can't tell me that. Because, you know, and she didn't understand what I was saying. I said, mama, you can't tell me that. You got to tell me why. Because my brain operated differently. So if you told me, if you didn't tell me why, you know, my brain would just try to figure out why you can't do it. You know, my brain would, wouldn't, wouldn't rest until I got an answer. You know, so my, you know, so I was one of the kids, I asked why. And I asked why not. Pause, pause, yeah. pause, pause. Hold on. You, Mr. Osborne, you asked your mother why. Yes. Um, Man, I... So, my question... Um, I, I made it. Anyway, I survived. I, I, I want to know, <laughs> how many times did you pick yourself up off the ground? How many times did that happen, brother? But I tell you, I tell you this. I didn't ask her why too many times. I didn't. I didn't. It might have been... I, I would say after that first one or second one, I think... No boy, I, I, I'll be honest. No more two times... But it's crazy. I'm I'm 40 years old. Remember that like it was yesterday. I was a teenager, and I almost remember that moment when I, I remember that when I asked my mama that. Mm. How you remember that thing? I asked my mama. You know, I told my mama, I told my I actually I told her I said, "Mama, I said you can't tell me why. You got to give me a reason." You know, of course, she almost <laughs> knocked, knocked my head off. But uh, 
you know, and I'm living, hey, you know, my, but my mama had a heart for me. And I think my mother understood what I was saying. Like, you can't tell me, you can't tell, if you tell me why I can't do something, you got to give me a reason. And that's, and throughout my life, people would just say stuff and they wouldn't give me a reason. I said, no, nah, I'm not taking that just because you said why. So that was a thought process I had. Was like, you know what, why, why do I got to go work for food? I do something else. And I started questioning, like, what else? What else is out there? What else can I do? Like, you know, back then, uh, that was really when uh, the internet really started taking off. Mm. I'm talking about when I mean taking off. You know, you know, when I was when I was in high school, I graduated in 2000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 96 is my freshman year in, in high school. The internet was really just started taking off. Right. As a matter of fact, at, at that time. Dial up. That was AOL. Yep. That was AOL internet. <laughs> yep. Had to wake that thing. Dial up. Had to take ten minutes just to get on internet. <laughs> and you had the CD. And, 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 um, that gave you, you had fifteen hours yep. free. Yep. <laughs> hey, look. Hey, look. Kept getting them free CDs. Had to switch out a CD every time. Had to change the but hey, I got on that internet, man. Black. Hey, Black Planet was the hey, stuff. Hey, what Black you know about Planet. that, Reggie? What you know about that, hey, Reggie? Shout out. Hey, shout out to Black Planet, man. <laughs> the before, original, hey, the original it, Facebook. Hey, the original. Yes, sir. Before Facebook became what it is, it was Black Planet first. They, they always trying to steal our stuff, man. Why they always trying to take from the brother? The, they always trying to take from the brother man and get mm. to the other man. Yeah. Oh, so man. shout out to Black Planet, MySpace. So my, we had first got a computer. Like we had, my, my father's job, we had got a computer. They had a program going on that they was like, they were giving like, Households or, or households that were like under certain income, free computers. Mm. So you know, you go back to my backstory. Rich, listen, you know, we wasn't we wasn't we wasn't poor, but we wasn't rich. You know, we was close to the poor, so we were. You know, we got a free computer through my daddy's job because of our income level. Our income level was low enough. Matter of fact, some of y'all are asking, probably thinking in your mind, yes, I have food stamps. We had EBC cards back then. We had food stamps. They were like little dollars. <laughs> they were coupon books that you ripped out the five, the ones, and the ten. They wasn't no EBT card. They were, they were, they were money. They were like little papers with the government stuff you had to take to the store. So, uh, so yeah. So they gave us a free computer, buy for a free computer, you know, and all that. And we had it in our house. And from that start, I really started to get on the internet and research stuff. And started, you know, that's that's why I go back to exposure. I started to get the exposure through the internet. Man, look at all this stuff. Like I started, you know, seeing. Like what? What's this? This field? That field? Because whenever, whenever people talk about like careers, they talk about the biggest. Here's the big three: doctors and lawyers, or firefighter, police officer. Those are always the first three or four that people mention: doctor, lawyer, or some type of political uh, civil servant like a police and firefighter. That was it. You hear about engineers or entrepreneurs or, or barbers or musicians and and you don't you don't they, they talk about the big three you know doctor I mean doctor lawyers and all that so you know when I started researching that stuff I started seeing the other things that interest me you know and say you know what I had a knack for work one thing about me I had a knack for working on things like when I was younger I was smart like I would I work on bikes I have my own little bike shop mm. and had any, I didn't have any money, but I had a bike shop. <laughs> Crazy. All the stuff that I had for the bike shop, I got it out of other people's trash. Mm. Matter of 
other people. I was I was making deals. I was hustling, getting getting rims and inner tubes and stuff like that. Then I started making a few nickels, and I'd go back go to the store and buy you know a twenty five cent inner tube for a bike. But I have my own little bike shop going on. I, I was six bikes. I was good at working on bikes, man. I could man. I can hook a bike up, man, like nothing. I can, I can make nothing out of I can make something out of nothing. Mm. And I'm, I'm telling you, I had a bike that if people don't realize this. My brothers remember it. My brothers can vouch for me. I had a bike that didn't have tires; it just had rims. <laughs> riding on rims, yes, we were riding on rims, and as you can imagine, there was sparks. Mm-hmm. The rims were sparks, and it was cool to see them at night. But you want to know the sad part about it? Aunt? As you had to paddle three to four times harder because you didn't have tires. <laughs> and so you was out there sliding and you had to paddle like three times faster just to keep up with everybody else. But uh, so I had an interest in that. I, 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 I mean, I used to always put stuff together. Uh, I would just make stuff. Like I was very creative. Mm. Uh, one time I made I made a basketball goal out of a, a milk crate yes. and a ply, some plywood mm-hmm. and a, I had like a eight by ten piece of wood and I stood it up and I even put it in the ground. Like, like I, I was like, man, this was a big deal, man. Yeah. I'm like, man, I was, I was, I was. So I always was very creative, creative, very ingenuitive, and you know, I always had, you know, that was just me. I was just. My mind didn't work like the average kid. I always, you know, I always dissected stuff. I would take, I was type of kid. I would take stuff apart to see how it worked. Mm. Apart, you know, don't come in there, Mama. Why, why, why my toaster apart? Uh, <laughs> what put that toaster back together? What's wrong with you? So I was very, you know, <laughs> I was a very smart kid. So, so I had started thinking. I said, you know what? Uh, my godfather worked out his garage, worked on cars. During the daytime, he worked at like Chrysler, but at but in the afternoon, man, he was changing oil and brake pads. And I would be over there, like, man, that's pretty cool. And then some guys in the neighborhood, they were doing it too. They would change oil, transmission. You know, my buddy down the street, Kirkwood, he had a, you know, he had a, uh, he he stayed with a car, his right, a project car, man. Uh, he had some nice cars too, man. I think he had like a he had a Firebird, man. My Firebirds with a fang. So I would see them working on that. I said, man, you know what? I want to be a mechanic. Not only do I want to be a mechanic, I want my own shop. And see, that's how I am. I was like, you know what? I'm the type of person is that I don't just do it. I do it big. Right. I was like, I don't just want to be a mechanic. See, some guys just want to be a mechanic. I say, I want to be a mechanic and I want my own shop. Mm. My own money. I want to work for me. So that was my mindset that, hey, look, I'm going to give me a shot. And I was about 12 years old at this time. Uh, and, and, and I tell people the story. I said, man, when I was, I knew what I wanted to be when I was 12 years old. It took me 15 years to become it. I was right. there about 12 years old. I said, that's what I want to do. As I started to get more and research on the, on the, on the computer, computer, at the time, this is where the computer comes in, I learned about engineers. Now that engineers are the people who, who not own that, they, they build the car stuff in the car they design a car and I say you know what I don't just want to work on a car on my own business but I want to be a, I want to I want to design a car I want to create and I used to draw man and I used to draw my own little sketches of my own car I used to design my own little car my own little scrapbook mm, yeah this is what I wanted to look like mm-hmm. so I was very creative and then from that from that that burst into what I am now my career now so it took slight age years is when I decided that's what I want to do uh, but of course, it wasn't easy. You know, rough patches in high school. 
you know, I, I had I ran through some hurdles. Uh, I really struggled academically. High school, high school was a beast, man. Mm. High school was not like middle school, elementary school. I was I was trying to be the class clown, but it's like, yeah, man. But you teaching they playing the high school. You better you better straighten up, but you gonna be. So I'm like, man, I I, I don't want to let my mom down. I'm, I'm the first boy. Uh, you know, you know, in, in my family, you know, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Reggie Jr., my daddy's son. Like, I, I got like a, a lot of people behind me. They looking at me as being like the future of our family, far as like success wise. Like, you know, even though I have four older sisters, people were looking at me as to be that, be, be the Simba. I was supposed to be Simba. I was supposed to take to be that, that lead, that, that last leg in a 400 meter. Uh, relay to take to take our family to the next level to, to open up doors and show our family my brother and sister was possible uh, because my siblings before me they didn't go to college you know some of them worked at Ford some of them worked at other jobs uh, they didn't they didn't they didn't go to college uh, don't I don't think they one of my sisters might have had some ambition to go to college she was pretty smart but a lot of them didn't really didn't go to college uh, you know so that way you know like I said I didn't see college I was the first. I was the first in my family. My granddaddy didn't go to college. My grandma didn't go to college. Mm. My grandparents went to college. My parents didn't go to college. So my aunts and uncles, they didn't go to college either. When I told my my, my daddy I wanted to be what I wanted to be, he's like, man, I'm going to help you get there. So I had a little rough patch in, in, in high school, man. You know, almost got, you know, almost didn't graduate on time. 1.9 was my, my, my senior year GPA. Mm. Uh, I barely made it out, you know, with enough credits to graduate. Uh, you know, uh, all because I was playing around, I wasn't serious. And then eventually I went off to college. You know, I was able to eventually get into college, uh, you know, but it all, it all started with, a, with, with, with my thought as a, as a teenager, my desire to want a better life, yeah. my desire to want to want to do more. I don't want to, I didn't want to be like everybody else. I wanted to get out the hood, Right. to get out the hood. I wanted to show my homeboys in the hood that, man, this is the hood is not it. Like, there's life after the hood. Like, you ain't got to be in a gang. You ain't got to sell dope. Like, man, you can be somebody, you know. So when I was, you know, like I said, even when I was going through college, I was like, man, I got to do this for my hood. It sound like a Jeezy song, you know, but, but I had to do it for the hood. I had to do it for my hood. I had to do it. And it's crazy. And to this day, when I, see, when I see young guys that grew up a little younger than me, they said, man, Red, you made it out, man showed us all that it was possible man bro we look up to you man like you was the first to get out the hood man the first man like like man you you said you was gonna do it and at first we didn't think you was gonna do it but you did it so man so so that was my motivation to you know although i you know suffered adversity although i, I didn't you know didn't graduate when i should have graduated college but hey i made it out took seven years to graduate with a four-year degree but you made but it I, I want i made it made it I wanted to quit I made it thank, thank, thank God I made it <laughs> I made it man and, and it's crazy man so I did it I did it because I wanted better for myself I wanted better for my family uh, I told myself I, I said I don't want I don't ever want my mom and dad have to have to suffer I don't ever want my brothers and sisters to have to go without a meal you know, because like I said, cause that's what we grew up in. There was times we didn't we didn't know what we were gonna eat. My mom, nice, my mom and dad didn't eat. You know, nice. We didn't have we didn't have. You know, I'm talking about in the winter, mm. Michigan winter. Mm. In, the, in the heart of Michigan winter, we didn't have any heat, hot water, 
it was cut off. Like, man, that was like, it was just, it wasn't the summertime. It was the winter time. It was cold. Like, we had kerosene heaters, man. Like, like this is no joke. Like, this is not, oh, y'all, you guys didn't have any, didn't have any heat. Yeah, but we didn't have any heat in the wintertime. I'm talking about when it's, when it's five degrees outside. Mm-mm-mm. When it feel like negative 10, man. So, I said, you know what? I said, something, there got to be something better than this. Right. I said, I got got to be something better. That was in my mind. Like, I got to get my family out to do like we, I gotta make it. I gotta make it so that that we can make it. As you left out of college, you made it through, and you had people in your hood who say, "Yo, you you made it out." What was Reggie's mindset? Man, wow. My mindset. My first. My first thought was just to God, man. When I first I walked across that stage at Tuskegee University, the pride of the Fifth Growing South, my alma mater, like a baby. When I walked across that stage after seven long years, after spending all that time, after spending all that money, after all them frustrating days and them long nights, getting ready to give up and quit and throw in the towel, I kept my towel, hey, out throughout all the drama. Across that stage, all the smiles and all the high fives, and I cried, man. I cried. And I gave God all the honor and glory because without God, I wouldn't be here, man. Yeah. God is the reason why I made it through. Why wow, He's the reason why I am making it through. My family made it through. You know, He's the reason that, that I am who I am. You know, I always give honor to God. I never, never take glory for myself. So, so, so after it was over, even through it, you know, I made sure I give, I gave God His glory and His honor first. Uh, and, and I always told myself that. That, you know, even through the process, that I want to see other young men uh, from where I come from. I want to see them make it. I want to go back to the hood and I want to, you know, want to, want to, want to put on activities and, and career fairs and, and, and college fairs. And I want to want to encourage other young men and women that look like, especially that look like me, that look, you can do it. Like whatever you put your mind to, your mindset is the most important thing. You know, so so my mindset was like, you know what? I got my degree. I got work to do. I got to give back to my community. I got to make sure that I still, you know, I, I got to continue, you know, making myself. Because that wasn't it. I, that wasn't it. It just wasn't over then. You know, yeah, you, you walked across stage, Reg. But that was, that was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. That was just the beginning of everything, man. And, uh, and, and and I was just, you know, I was focused. From that point on, all the haters wrong, all that I went through in my life, and I was able to do what I said I was going to do, that just took my belief to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Raised my beliefs, raised my expectations, and it made me hungrier. And it, start, it made me start asking the question, what else can I do? What else? What else? I, what, what? What? What else do I? I do. I want to do. You know, and, and, and that was my mindset. Like I was just looking for. I was hungry and hungry for more and more success. Right. I wanted to make my mark. You know, and after I got my degree, I, I went into corporate America and I made my mark. Black person at an all-white facility in a, in a boondocks of, of, of Illinois. In there with my head held high. I went in there and, and I, I made my mark. Yeah. Made my mark throughout the company. People knew who I was. They knew they knew how smart I was, how intelligent I was, even though they questioned it. I moved up the ladder. Things happened. You know, I, I left a legacy. And not only that, as I climbed, I lifted others up. And I gave back more and more and more 
because that's the type of person I am. I, I, I get happy when I see others doing well, especially those that I that I help. Uh, and that's kind of you know what I what I do now a lot more is, is coaching, motivating, really mentoring people to help them uh, you know overcome their adversity uh, to find their purpose and have success. Reggie Osborne, why do you keep your towel? Because so many other people have sacrificed so much for me to be here. My mom, my dad, my grandma, my granddaddy. So many people sacrificed, but so many people invested in me spiritually. I'm talking about mentally. I'm talking about financially. People supported me. Didn't give up on me even when I felt like giving up myself. I keep the towel for them because without them, I'm not. I keep the towel so that I can show other people that anything is possible. With God on your side, stay focused, anything is possible. Only stay disciplined, stay determined, stay hungry, anything is possible. Don't never give up. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what it seems like, never give up. I got four kids, man. Four kids each and every day. I do it for them. I do it for my wife. I do it for my nieces and my nephews because I want I want I want them to understand that that they too and have whatever they want in this life if they just continue to keep the time. If they keep fighting, if they keep holding on, if they keep putting up with the crap, eventually on to win. So that's why I keep the time. And I don't got no plans on throwing it in anytime soon. <laughs> wow, love to hear that. Reggie, if there's anything you have left to say, my man, the floor is yours. Man, I, first of all, I want to give honor to God who is ahead of my life. Uh, without him, I'm nothing, man. Uh, and, and, and I'm a firm believer that without your faith in the higher being, you, you, know, we, you are nothing either. We can't make it on our own. Uh, don't ever fool yourself. Think that it's just me. Uh, you know, don't ever uh, be full of pride. Uh, always be humble. Be grateful. Be thankful. Recognize the people that are helping you and show appreciation to them. And always realize that God is on your side no matter what you're going through. God loves you. God cares for you. I want you to win. God wants you to keep the tie because guess what? Jesus Christ kept the tie. Uh-huh. He in, but he, but he kept the tie and he went to the cross and he paid his price and he gave his life for us. So one thing I've learned that made me successful: learn to give your life to Jesus Christ. Learn to live for Him. You have much, much great success. That's all I got, and I appreciate it. Well, folks, there you have it. My man just puts you on to what it is that he has gone through in his life and how he was able to make it through. It didn't just happen overnight. It took some setbacks. It took some failures. But he was able to push through it all from the enclave he was born in, the house he was born in, and also his own inadequacies. But he was able to push through and able to come victorious in the end. So, Mr. Osborne, I just want to say thank you. And my man, this round, this session is officially over. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time out to just sit and talk with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put all of Reggie's stuff out there. His Instagram, his his social media, websites, everything that you will need is going to be all in the description box below. So, make sure you go ahead and check him out. I promise y'all, this brother is, is the real deal. I'm telling you, I've witnessed it for myself. 
He is the real deal. So make sure you go ahead and check him out. I'm going to put it there for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in and rocking with me. As always, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man, Ant Boogie. I will check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. We are out of here. Peace out.